Let's go ahead and get started. I was worried, but you guys showed up. The Hardy crew showed up all the way from meeting and parts unknown, parts out there. So thanks for being here this morning. Uh, we were out about 10 o'clock last night, and I said, I don't know what it's going to be like in the morning, but uh, got up this morning, the wind's not blowing. You know, it's a little cold, but that's okay. Got some snow on the ground, but uh, thanks for being here this morning. It's appreciated. Uh, as always, we have a lot to talk about uh, in Romans, but uh, let's pray before we do that. Dear Father, I just want to thank you so much for... Uh, uh, just the seasons and uh, uh, the adjustment that we need to make sometimes, Father, for uh, for wintry weather. And I, we thank you for the moisture, and uh, we know it's important um, uh, for us. And so we thank you for that. And I just I'm thank, thankful that uh, so many were able to get here safely this morning, and uh, for Bible study and and just for being together, and encourage one another. We thank you for that. And. Father, I just uh, want to thank you for uh, for the book of Romans again, and thank you for Paul and uh, just his passion for the gospel, uh, his passion for your message, Father, to us. So we thank you for uh, for that message and how it inspires us and encourages us and, and lifts us up and and motivates us. We thank you for all that, and we thank you for the power that's there for our lives and Father, I just pray that you'll bless our, our study this morning in, in chapter 6, and I just pray that we might be able to glean much from that and uh, uh, bless our conversation, and, and uh, I just pray, pray that you'll bless our time of worship later, too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, before uh, we get into chapter 6, I wanted to read a little bit from chapter 5 just to kind of springboard us. Uh, into chapter 6. I think it's important to do that uh, before we get into chapter 6. But I'm going to, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to chapter 5 and chapter 6. You're going to need to kind of follow along in chapter 6 this morning because I'd like to encourage as much discussion as possible. But I'm going to read a little bit beginning in verse 1 of chapter 5. Paul says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who He has given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person would, uh, a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So Paul says some wonderful things in the first part of chapter 5 there. Uh, He talks about the fact that we have peace 
with God uh, because, of the, because we have just been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And he talks about the grace, that we have access to the grace in which we now stand. Uh, and the point that I made last week about that is uh, standing in grace is a little bit different than falling out of grace, isn't it? And I, I think that uh, Paul is just telling us we're secure. We're secure in the grace that we stand. It's not a matter of having to worry about falling out of it. Uh, because we stand in it. Because we've been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So he's talking about the security that we have in grace. And he goes on and talks about how God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And this is while we were still sinners. While we were powerless. While we were weak. While we were enemies of the cross. God's love is being poured out into our hearts. So God has always had a plan for us. And it's amazing that this plan is, is coming to fruition. Uh, no matter of our standing, uh, while we were still enemies, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's a beautiful thought. And that, that kind of springboards us into chapter 6, I think, because... Um, I think Paul, in, in the beginning of chapter 6, anticipated some objections, some, maybe some intellectual objections to what he just spoke about when he talked about grace. And, uh, and I, I want us to look at that and think about that a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about the triumph of God's grace and what that means to us. And we have that, that verse that says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. At the end of chapter 5, Paul talks about, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul is saying, hey, we, live, we now live in the kingdom of grace. Uh, we're now, no longer under the reign of sin. Uh, we live under the reign of grace, and grace is reign. So we live in the kingdom of grace. Uh, but, but I'm wondering, where does the doctrine of the tri- triumph of God's grace lead us? Uh, first of all, let's talk about what are some intellectual objections somebody might have to what Paul is saying. He's saying we're secure in grace. It's not because we're, we're not there because of anything we've done. We stand in grace because of the faith we have. Uh, what are some objections to what Paul is saying? What are some objections the Jews might have had to what Paul was saying about grace? Any thoughts about that? Yeah. I think we can just communion. Yeah. Right. Uh, nothing's free, right? I I don't get that. How could how could that that's too wonderful to believe? Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the thoughts. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah. You know, and, it, and so it's like, okay, how do I, how do I, how can I be secure in this right. place, knowing that it's possible to fall over? Right. And it's trying to yeah. navigate that. Yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts? Uh, I guess one objection, the small one might be that faith is the thing we've done. Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, when we say it's not by anything we've done, there's a little something. Right, right. And we have to accept the gift. And if we look at the, then we have to keep nurturing that. Right. Yeah. But, but the challenge I think you're alluding to is, is that we should not make that into our work. Yeah. The grace is the result of our work. Right. right. There's a little something God is asking. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, what about, hey, oh, go ahead, Cindy. I was just going to say the Jews, I don't think really knew what grace was. No, I mean, yeah. Right. And that's what they were taught. Yeah. yeah. That's been true of some Christians too, right? Yeah, but the yeah. Christians took the heart out of the law. Yeah. How about the thought, hey, if, if grace covers me, what what have I got to worry about? Yeah. J- Jason. Yeah. I'm the worst of the worst. Right. I've done this, this has happened to me. This can't possibly touch me. I think that's right. that people you know, doctrinally, yeah, it covered them, but yeah. I think people struggle with realizing that and actualizing it. Yeah. And, and being able to become Christian. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's true too. How could how could this ever apply to me? Uh, because of where I've been. But um but I, I think one of the big objections that Paul foresaw is someone saying, hey, if what you're saying is true, what does it matter what I do now? If grace covers me, what does it matter what I do? My sin's not a problem, right? You just said my sin's not a problem. Anyway, that leads us to chapter 6. And we're going to talk about another religious word in chapter 6, and that's the word sanctification. Uh, and what that means. That, that's basically what Paul is talking about in chapter 6. He's talking about sanctification. Who can tell me what that religious word means? It can mean several things, I think. It's not kind of a canned definition. What does it mean to you? Anything? Yeah, be holy. Yeah, being holy. Uh, God says be holy because I am holy. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. What, how can that possibly be? But uh, anyway... Yeah, yeah. Set apart. I think the idea of being set apart for for something. Yeah, we've been sanctified. Yeah. Um, in some traditions, they use the word I think theosis, which is to become like Christ. Right. Exactly. That's exactly the thought. So we're going to talk about sanctification. What shall we say then? And I, I think this is Paul anticipating. What people might say he says, "What shall we say then? Are we are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life." For if we've been unified with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You know, in that passage, I I see this old self 
uh, old self versus new self thing. And uh, I want to talk about that. Um, what, what are some characteristics of the old self? I know that we might have to generalize a little bit because I think our old selves are all unique to us, aren't they? <laughs> what our old self looks like is kind of unique to us. But what are some things in general? Uh, when we talk about our old self, what, what might we say in general about that? What, what did we look like? What did our old person look like? Yeah, Jeff. I think the big one that comes to my mind is, is um, uh, kind of like animals. If you're hungry, you eat. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the most simple way I can put it. It's whatever your flesh desires. Yeah. Good or bad, it's not always an evil thing. Right. You know? But whatever your flesh desires instinctually, that's what you do. That's what you want. You're controlled by the flesh just like, a, just like any animal. Yeah. And the one thing that makes humans different than animals in my mind, is the ability to say no to what's instinctual. Right. And uh, that's kind of the beginning of the journey of okay. what we're talking about when we say spirit. Okay, yes. Definitely. Yeah, Cindy? Self-centered. Yeah, self-centered. Yeah, it's about self, isn't it? Yeah. We're kind of just interested in self. Anything else? Old self. What did your What was your old self about? Unsettled. Unsettled? Yeah. Uh, not at peace. Last week we talked about now we have peace with God. What a wonderful th- thing that is. Definitely not at peace. Uh, trying to fill something. Trying to fill some kind of thing within us. Uh, and we just keep trying and trying. And no matter what we do, no matter what we pursue, it's just it's impossible to fill. Yes, yeah, Cindy? Fear, very much so. Yeah. There's nothing to take care of the fear, which would be a really sad thing for me because, you know, I, I still deal with fear. But to be without hope in that, that would be difficult. Yeah. Yeah, again, kind of coming back to self. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Paul talks about this new self. Praise God for that. Praise God for the new self. That looks a lot different, doesn't it? Looks a lot different. What what is that characterized by? What's our new self characterized by? It's a long it's a long list. You know, we could go on about this. Considering others better than yourself. Right, getting away from that self centered thing that we were talking about, yeah. Loving one another when they don't Yeah. Yeah, very different. I think understanding uh, what true freedom is, because I think a lot of people think they're free, but yeah. they're a slave to something, and I right. think they're a slave to Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. Nariel, that's what we're going to be talking about here soon in this chapter, because that's exactly what Paul's going to talk about, is what are we a slave to? Yeah, Cindy? Well, we just had that peace, and that peace that Christ is understanding is something that you can't describe. Yeah. Peace, peace is really a beautiful thing when you think about it. Yeah, we do have that peace. Thank God for that. So Paul's talking about a new self. I mean, we've been buried with Christ in baptism. Uh, now we're raised with him. We're going to walk uh, in a new life. That means we don't want to walk in the old self anymore. We don't want to go back to that. 
Uh, we've been called to something else. We want to, as Paul would say in Romans 12, we want to be no longer conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we see this, we see this change, this transformation, I think, that needs to happen, and that, that is sanctification. That is sanctification. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. I want to, I want to focus on, on verse 13. When he says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. That's, that's old self versus new self. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Paul is talking about the members of our body, isn't he, in context here? That's, those are the members he's talking about. How does that work? How do we present the members of our body to God uh, for the sake of righteousness? Let's talk, let's, talk about, uh, let's talk about our mind first. How do we present our minds to God as an object of righteousness? How do you do that? Like uh, one of those passages in Colossians, I think, says um, take captive every thought. To yeah, right, right. Change what we're thinking about. Uh-huh. Paul also says, I think in Philippians, think about more noble things. Uh, yeah. We put a lot of stuff, a lot of junk in our minds, don't we? And it just floods our minds every day, whether we're, you know, whether we're being defensive about it or what. Errol, did you have something? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Give yourself a break. Yes, Christy. And then Cindy. Uh, my daughter Tamsley said uh, about self talk. She said, "Don't say anything to yourself that you wouldn't say to a dear friend." Yes. And I think that's a really good advice about because we do tend to beat each other, beat ourselves up. I guess, yeah. About our sins and how unworthy right. we feel. <coughs> we are tempting ourselves to say. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do struggle with that. I think that when you see yourself in that beautiful way that God sees you, it opens up so many possibilities of love towards others. Yeah, yeah. Your mind's a powerful thing, isn't it? Yeah, Jason? Um, and like meditating on Scripture, spending time in prayer. Yeah. This is a big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal. Yeah, Cindy. I 
to see others in other circumstances in a whole different light than what the rest of the world does. Yeah. And we also have to sometimes stop ourselves and ask ourselves, whose tapes are we listening to? Are we listening to God's tapes? Mm-hmm. Or Satan's? Because there's, there's no in between. Yeah, you're right. Okay, the mind's a big deal. How about our eyes and our ears? Our eyes and our ears. Entertainment, what we listen to, what what we put in front of our eyes, what we choose to hear, look at. Huh? Read? Yeah. Yeah. I mean really it's the same question. Your eyes yeah. and your ears are, are kind of where you put the fuel into your mind. Right. It's all about your mind, but it's the intake. I, I I was thinking, you know, your your mind is designed for righteousness. That's what yeah. it's designed for. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's in. We're talking about input there. Our tongues. What did James say about that? Yeah. It's a pretty big deal what Paul's talking about here. About our hands and feet. How's it say we, we, need, to, we need to try to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Um. So Paul's on to something here about, I think, presenting the members of our body to God as instruments of righteousness. That, that really means something. And that's, that's where the rubber meets the road uh, on what he's talking about. Verse, verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves... You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you were once presented, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. And I've kind of highlighted the word. It's interesting that the word "obey" appears so many times there in the first part of that passage. Obedience. Uh, obedience is a big part of sanctification, and. Uh, I wish we didn't strain under that word so much, this idea of obedience. Uh, obedience is a good thing here. Uh, and obedience is always a good thing when we're talking about uh, obeying God's will. And uh, so it's important to be obedient and to put our trust in God and what he's trying to tell us, even if we don't always understand it. And, you know, so often we don't understand what God is trying to show us. 
uh, or teach us. Uh, but it's just the idea that uh, of obedience, that we need to be obedient. And that's a big part of our transformation. Uh, and uh, so we need to realize that. And so uh, Paul at the end of this says, so now, and this is this idea, hey, you've got to make the change. You've got to pivot. Uh, you've got to move away from that old self. You need to be moving towards what God is calling to you. Uh, and this idea of being slaves to righteousness. Uh, uh, that's, that's a crazy thought, uh, being a slave to righteousness. You're, you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. There, there's no in-between. We can't ride the fence on this one. I think some people think they can. That, hey, I'm just kind of going down the middle, but you're either serving one or the other. Uh, and that's just the way it is. For when, when you, for, when you were, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the, thing, for the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. And it's in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I've got some, let's, let's, uh, there's some life applications for us here. If, so have your, have your Bibles open, if you don't already, to chapter 6. And uh, one thing I want to look at is Paul gives us some very good reasons for not sinning in this section of Scripture. Point them out. To us, point them out to me. Do you see what? What are? I, I have at least five sound reasons he gives for not sinning. What are they? What pops out to you in that section of scripture? Sin leads to death. Sin leads to death. That's a pretty good one, isn't it? Yeah. Sin is a form of slavery. Sin is a form of slavery. Yep. You rip that. What was that? Because you reap benefits. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff. As opposed to the parts of your body being instruments for righteousness, it says they would be instruments for wickedness. Right. Right. Yep. That's not going to have a good end. Yeah. You produce bad fruit. You produce bad fruit. Yeah. Anything else jump out to you? Yeah, I'm so grateful for this section of scripture because the beauty of it that it just, just reflects the love of God. You know, our obedience, we, we, we think of obedience and we think of some kind of burden. Mm-hmm. You know, we think slavery and we think of some kind of burden. Right. But God is saying, look, you know, for your best, obey me because you know something? If you go along with what you think, right. then you can justify sin. Right. We do. We justify sin all the time. Right. But, but if we obey God, yeah. That, that we do what's always best for us. Yeah. And that's, that, that leads to righteousness. Right. God only wants what's best for us, right? It's like, like any parent wants for his child. Any good parent wants for their child. They just want what's best. That's why he puts boundaries around us. That's what that's about because he wants, he wants what's best for us. Uh, but, yeah, slave, being sla- a slave to righteousness leads to life. Uh, yeah, David? Yeah. Yeah. It goes along with what Dave's saying about the benefits. Yeah. I think that's almost sarcasm. He's saying, what benefits do you think you've got? 
Right. So yeah. what I would say is that not sinning is just a great selfish way to not put the burden of stress on your life. Yeah. Any more than life yeah. is going to put stress on you anyway. Right. That sense. You know, yeah, like, yeah. You know, there's, there's not only not benefit, there's, like, we are literally making our lives harder. Yeah. When we, when we We're talking about consequences, not benefits. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, even if it's just the stress that lives in our mind, we're not yeah. going to jail, you know? Yeah. Right. Sarcastically. Yeah. And it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we need to keep asking that question. How's that working? Yeah. Very good. Dr. Phil has something there, I think. Uh, sin is slavery. Romans six sixteen. Sin leads to death. We've been freed from sin slavery. Uh, we're no longer there anymore. We've become slaves to God, uh, which is true freedom. Uh, Jesus said, if the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. Uh, so we've been set free. Why, we've been set free from that life. Why, why go back to it? Uh, it's like, a, like what, how's it go like a dog going back to this vomit? Uh, it's exactly what it is. And we become slaves to righteousness, uh, Romans 6.18. We're all around that. I appreciate you guys' thoughts about that. But there, there's no reason we want to choose that life. And it's amazing that anybody ever chooses it, isn't it? When you think about it now, why, why, why would anybody choose that life? Uh, why would anybody want to be a slave to that life with, with all that we've talked about? But we're human. Uh, we respond to fleshly desires. Uh, and uh, so it's, it's still going to continue to be a struggle for us. But we need to be aware uh, of what's going on. Uh, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Uh, uh, but we are being led to life. But righteousness leads us to life. And the, the choice has always been ours. That's, that's kind of what I'm getting at. The choice has always been ours. And I, I'm wondering why we would ever choose anything uh, but the way of God, the way of righteousness. Um, this is a passage in First Peter uh, that I'm coming back to. I mentioned earlier. It says, For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. That's a command, Right? What is, what is God saying? God, how is it possible that I could be holy? Uh, why are you saying that to me? Be holy because I am holy. What's God telling us? What's he saying? Yeah, Jason. It makes me think that it takes me back to we were created in this. Yeah. So it is possible we have that capability. <coughs> right. 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 And I think it's because I think it's because the devil is very present in the world. Right. He has a lot more power than we're probably giving credit for or and I think we should take it seriously that he's like yeah. here and there and, and 
Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Is it, is it about focus, too? About how we're focused in life? Uh, is that not, should that not be our desire? Is that not what grace does to us? Is that not our response to grace, to want to be holy? To want to be more like God? <laughs> that's, that's how I'm motivated. I want to be more like God. It doesn't mean I'm ever going to make it, but I want to be more like him. <coughs> Mm-hmm. How close to the line can I get? Right. And still be holy. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 We're pursuing the mind of God. Yeah, Brad. Um, Paul tells Titus, uh, "It is grace that teaches us to say no." Yeah. Which I don't know is kind of bizarre to me because my, instinctually I would think, "No, it's God's wrath that teaches us to say no, or His right. judgment that te- you know something right. like that makes right. a little more sense to me." Um. But I don't know, like the more I think of it, maybe in terms of just simply in my relationship with, you know, Karen, it's like when I experience grace from her, it is significantly more effective than right. just being upset or mad or right. whatever. Um, but I don't know, that's, that's a pretty powerful concept to me, though, is if you if you recognize and experience grace, mm-hmm. that is that is a powerful tool yeah. to be able to say no to, right. you know, yeah. Yeah, Jason. Uh, as far as whom we will serve, I think sometimes uh, either us or people who don't know God, they don't know the master very well. Right. And, and Jesus talks about in Matthew, says, "Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart." And, and really, I think that's that's our chance really to learn who God is. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Right.
Yeah. Right. Yeah, but it's good. How do you light that desire right. Yeah. Good thoughts. Hey, let's, we're running out of time here, and I've got something I want to do at the end that's special to me. Uh, remember that sanctifi- sanctification is a command. Uh, remember that sanctification is a consequence. Uh, and remember that sanctifi- sanctification is a conduct. It's a way of life. It's the way of life we choose, and it's in a response to grace, to me. That what, that's what motivates me is grace. Uh, yeah, God's wrath is there. And, you know, to tell you the truth, I'm motivated by it too, but not like I am by God's grace. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, you know, this, this, this theme of sanctification it was important to Paul in all of his letters. He talks about it. We have this in Titus 3. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. You know... Music conveys, communicates messages to us very powerfully. There's a song that I love. Uh, uh, it's called Redeemed by Big Daddy Weave. Uh, I'm going to play, it's about a four-minute video of this song at the end. Uh, if you need to go get kids or something, you need to leave during this song. But uh, this song could have been written out of Chapter 6 of Romans. It literally could have been written out of Chapter so I'm gonna, we're going to listen to that song uh, to close today. If I can get it up. Seems like all I could see was the struggle.
Redeem. 